welcome to this week's episode of Unpacking Life with Annie Mark. I'm so excited this week. I have Krista King. She's a published dietitian and she's also a nutritionist and she helps women all over the world to unpack issues surrounding their periods, their gut and digestive health. And I'm just super excited to have her on the podcast today so we can unpack all things feminine health. Hi, Krista. Thank you for doing this. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So um, clearly I've followed your platform, um, Compose Nutrition, for a while. I like everything that you stand for. And it was super important for me to have you on the show today because I've personally dealt with like a lot of health issues and especially like feminine health issues. And I know a lot of women just have a hard time understanding what to do, what foods they need to do, take to eat, kill their bodies and all of that stuff. So I wanted to definitely have you on today so we could unpack that. But before we do that, I wanted to give you a moment to kind of tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so my name is Krista King. I am a registered dietitian and I practice integrative nutrition, functional nutrition. Basically, that means looking at how all of the systems in the body work together and taking the best practices from conventional um, health and medicine, nutrition, and integrating that with more holistic practices. So um, I share education, tools, uh, programs, resources, and also work with clients one-on-one in the um, really hormone health, gut health, uh, mental health, kind of how all those kind of intersect yes. um, space. Awesome. Awesome. So let's dive into it. So my first question for you would be, um, can we kind of give a brief overview of some of the common diagnosis that women normally get as pertains to like the feminine health? And um, would you have um, like, would you say some of these things are like lifestyle based or they genetic based or do we just don't have enough information about that? Yeah, well, commonly, not necessarily a diagnosis, but something a lot of us, um, well, we may, you know, get told about from our, you know, providers is, um, experiencing PMS or premenstrual syndrome, and a significant portion of us are experiencing, you know, some form of that, whether that is period pain, cramping, skin issues, bloating, mood changes. Um, so that is kind of a common experience, and as I'm sure we'll dive into later on, and how that's not necessarily normal. But um, other conditions that are really common, um, PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, Mm -hmm. um, uh, more on the period uh, pain side of things, we could have endometriosis, Mm -hmm. ovarian cysts, fibroids. Um, So there are different diagnoses that we could, you know, encounter, but really any sort of symptom that we kind of lump under these hormonal related symptoms, or it's just my hormone or just my cycle, um, those are all signs from our body to take a little bit um, of a deeper look. And we can be genetically primed to um, have a certain... um, condition, but our lifestyle and nutrition can really influence how that shows up for us and how we manage any diagnosed condition that we um, may have. And yeah, and I'm glad that you said that. Another one that is um, not so common, but I think that's one that I also shared with you, is one that I also personally struggled with, which is adenomyosis. 
I know that's not yes. so common. A, a lot of people don't really know about that, but that is definitely um, another one that I think women go through. And what would you say are like some of the common symptoms that they should be looking out as far as like PO, um, PMS, sorry, excuse me. What would be some of the mm -hmm. symptoms that they need to look out for? Yeah, really any sort of period pain. Um, pain is really in any form is a sign of inflammation in the body. So when we're thinking about PMS, that could be cramps, menstrual cramps, um, back aches, headaches, mm -hmm. um, really any sort of pain, um, skin issues. So we may encounter some breakouts um, before our period arrives. Some people may experience that more mid-cycle um, or really all the time, just depending on what the root cause is driving that. Um, fatigue, uh, really extreme fatigue. It's normal to have a little bit of light fatigue. Our hormones are at the lowest point during our period, um, but really this extreme fatigue, low energy, super low energy, um, mood swings, sleep issues, gut issues, and really um, a heavy or painful period are all things to think about. Yeah, because I think what it is is some of us, um, I know before I had the knowledge that I have now, I used to think that pain was just something that was normal. You know, it was just something I had to go through. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, before my cycle comes, just pack up on my chamomile tea and all of that stuff. And, you know, it felt like it was normal, but it's really not something that is normal. So that would be like a red flag. You need to check out what's going on with yourself. Would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, if we're experiencing any sort of pain, we're told it's um, normal, but the really slight distinction there is that it's really common, right. but common doesn't necessarily mean normal. And so there are root causes, there are reasons why these symptoms are showing up. And a lot of times we may be really used to trying to address the symptom, but we really need to ask why is the symptom here? Because there can be different reasons um, from person to person. Right, right. And what would you say, I think my next question for that would be, what are some things that we as women do that would make our periods angry? Because I think a lot of us don't know that there are things that we're doing that are triggers, you know, mm -hmm. for these problems that we're facing month to month. Just like you said, it's not normal but we kind of just don't know what it is that we're doing. And so I think giving people like an idea for what could be symptoms that would basically trigger their inflammation in their body or just trigger those symptoms that are pretty uncomfortable, what would be some of those? Yeah, so anything that can really be um, interpreted by the body as a source of stress. Mm -hmm. um, so some examples would be um, really not eating consistent meals, so blood sugar swings where we're either, you know, not eating enough or just having, you not building our meals with, you know, protein, carbs, and fats or going too long um, between meals, skipping meals, um, all of those in, you know, those various forms can be um, a sign or a stressful on the body. Um, not taking rest days, um, not getting enough sleep, overdoing it on caffeine, um, certain nutrient deficiencies because certain nutrients are really important for our hormone production. Um, our day-to-day -day stress, do we have tools in place to, you know, how we can help 
manage some of that um, too much high intensity exercise, um, too much alcohol, um, certain inflammatory oils that are found um, in, you know, a lot of packaged foods or for eating out a lot, um, things like vegetable oils, like canola oil, things like that. So those are all different kind of sources that the body can interpret as uh, stressful. And then one way that can show up is with our period problems. And I like that you said that because that's also something I tell my clients, you know, a lot of them tell me, oh, I don't know why I'm, you know, I'm the way I am, I'm packing on this weight, I don't eat breakfast, I'm skipping and I'm like, that is the problem. That's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. It's not skipping your meals. It's I rather you have like tiny little meals a couple times a day than skip out on your meals because I think for me that translates to as far as like your nutrition, you know, low metabolism, you know. And so that mm -hmm. in and of itself is the body just is not activated to do what it needs to do. And I would say that translates even to our cycles, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because our body, all of the different things that our bodies do require nutrients, and we have our macronutrients, that's our carbs, protein, fats, and our micronutrients, that's our vitamins and minerals, and we need all of those things in different, you know, it'll vary a bit from person to person, but in general, if we're missing something, then our body doesn't have the raw building blocks, the raw materials to carry out the things that it needs to do. And that can, you know, be a huge root cause of certain symptoms that we're experiencing. And what are some things, um, as far as like, would you say stress? I know we've touched up on that like pretty um, lightly, but would you say stress, lack of sleep, lack of exercise, do those really play a part in aggravating the symptoms that people experience as far as their cycles are concerned? Yeah, absolutely. Um, stress is, you know, one of the major root causes that, um, you know, pretty much we're all experiencing on some level, but that can really, really impact our cycles. Um, stress can delay or even block our ovulation from happening. And ovulation is really the main event of our cycle. We think of it as our period, but we don't get our period unless we're ovulating. It is possible to get a bleed that we think is our period and have a cycle where we don't ovulate or an anovulatory cycle. But um, yeah, in general, stress can really impact our cycles because of how it um, can affect ovulation. And we have to ovulate in order to produce our hormone called progesterone. So that's in the second half of our cycle. The first half of our cycle, our estrogen is rising. And it's really um, a lot of these symptoms, um, as we're talking about, um, you know, PMS, period pain, um, can be due to some sort of imbalance in our estrogen and progesterone levels. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those things, stress or anything that can be perceived as stress in the body can really play into that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm also starting to talk to my clients about sleep hygiene, you know, getting to bed on time and sleeping for me literally... 10 o'clock, I have to be in bed, you know, if the clock is ticking towards mm -hmm. 11 o'clock, I'm running to bed, like, you know, so I think just having those quality hours, because a lot of people also think that it's just, oh, let me get my eight hours of sleep in and I'll be fine. And it's like, no, you know, it's the time you actually go to bed to produce that melatonin, you know, that good, there's, there's actually a time for you to get that quality sleep. So what would you say about that? Because... I know sleep is something really major that I've been like literally singing like a broken record. 
it's super important for everyday. I know it ties into yeah. stress, but it's super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Our sleep is so important. There's so many, you know, things that go on in the body when we sleep. Kind of like little cleanup crews can come in and do their job while we're sleeping, but also not getting enough sleep is another, you know, form of stress as we've been talking about. And so focusing on sometimes, and I wasn't really aware of this until I was using um, a form of a tracker for a little bit of time. I was using the Aura Ring and it gives you a lot of sleep information. And even though I, you know, thought I was going to bed to get enough, you know, sleep to get eight hours, I realized, you know, the amount of actual sleep I was getting due to, you know, not actually falling asleep when I thought I was and certain sleep um, disruptions in the middle of the night. So that sleep hygiene is really important too. It's when we're going to bed, how we are setting up our sleep environment. So we're, you know, hopefully not having distractions where we can, you know, like getting blackout curtains was huge for us. Um, Little things like that. Temperature control for us is huge in our room. Um, Not taking our work to to bed, you know, that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, cutting out blue lights or cutting out my devices, which is super hard in this day and age, but, you know, it's super important as well. Okay, so I think the next thing I I would ask you is, um, what are some tips on lifestyle changes and nutrition changes that our audience can um, make? to start to see improvements. Mm -hmm. I know like, obviously this is your specialty and you do this with people all the time, but if you were just to like, give them like a crunch course on the things that they need to Mm -hmm. do in lifestyle and diet and things like that, Mm -hmm. that would ultimately kind of see them on the path to feeling better, what would be those things? Yeah. So at the foundational level for nutrition, we really want to think about that blood sugar balance that we were talking about because that um, blood sugar swings can be tied in with our cortisol response. So again, it's really stressful on the body if we're not keeping our blood sugar balanced and signs that we may not be doing the best job of that are if we're getting, you know, dizzy, irritable, headachey, shaky, um, you know, in between meals or if we've gone too long without eating. So I say for that, try to bring some consistency in. Am I eating a meal every three to five-ish hours? It'll kind of, that'll vary from person to person, Um, making sure that we have snacks on hand. And are we building our meals in a way where we include some carbohydrates and um, include some protein and fat to help with keeping our blood sugar uh, stable? Um, And then being mindful of our caffeine right. intake. Yes. Um, I'm not someone who says cut out coffee completely. I actually, you know, I really love coffee myself. But um, a couple tricks there. Um, can we try to keep caffeine before noon, keeping cups of coffee to one to two cups. Or one thing that I've actually been doing lately is doing um, half-calf and then even sometimes decaf um, Mm -hmm. and having some other beverages for options like herbal teas or dandelion root tea is a great one. Mm -hmm. Um, So nutritionally, those are some things. Um, When it comes to exercise, really thinking about does this movement, first of all, is it something I want to be doing? Am I finding joy in the type of movement I'm including? 
um, not feeling like it's a chore or punishment in any sort of way. And then if we are somebody who's dealing with, um, you know, things going on with our stress response, maybe we've had hormone testing done and know that our cortisol is a bit off, then sticking to some lower and moderate intensity exercise. So that's not saying, you know, if you really enjoy working out, I'm not saying don't exercise. I'm saying, you know, intensity really refers to everybody yeah to do what um works for you but speaking on this cortisol issue Mm -hmm. because i know a lot of people don't even know what that is what do they are they even like are there ways that they can even supplement that is that like even something that we really can point people in the right direction or is that not even a one shoe fits all for that really or do they just have to what on that the cortisol um like if they're having high cortisol levels and things like that what would be because i think that plays a lot into really bringing down issues pertaining to you know their feminine health in particular and inflammation mm-hmm. yeah yeah so what what can we do for our cortisol yeah, level cortisols. Yeah, yeah. So actually, um, with all my one-on-one clients, I do hormone testing. So we are actually looking at cortisol levels, um, which fluctuate throughout the day, um, really in line with our uh, sleep-wake cycle. So we actually produce cortisol. It should be at the highest level in the morning and then gradually decrease throughout the day. And then in the evening, that's when, um, in response to darkness, we're producing melatonin. So we know that as our sleep hormone. And so um, when we're doing hormone testing, I'm taking a look um, at how cortisol is trending throughout the day and how much total are we producing. And so a lot of times we think just high cortisol or I'm producing too much cortisol is like the really issue that we have with cortisol, which can absolutely be, but we can have um, cortisol higher when it should be lower and lower when it should be higher. So somebody who, you know, gets like racing thoughts and like has a really hard time falling asleep could be having this cortisol spike in the evening before bed. So for that person, it would be really focusing on that sleep hygiene, um, that blood sugar balance, reducing some of that high intensity exercise, Um, But we can also have low cortisol, and that is basically the result of being in a high cortisol state for a long time. Mm. So that's kind of what we would think of as feeling, you know, a bit burned out. We kind of don't really have any gas left in the tank. Yeah, Um, basically done to your max. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's talk about some of the gooey stuff, the colors of blood. What are the colors that Mm -hmm. are healthy? What are the colors that we see? that it's like, oh my gosh, this is a red flag. I need to see a, a, a healthcare provider because, you know, we see things, we see our cycles just change over time, you know, and especially particularly mm-hmm. for mothers also, you know, after you have your, a child, you know, your hormones are all over the place. So what are those colors that mm-hmm. we need to be paying attention to? And also even um, down to clotting, you know, because that's another thing. Is mm-hmm. that normal to some extent or... When does it become mm-hmm. too much and we really have to pay attention to that? Yeah, so we really want to see um, the color of our period blood to be like a dark cranberry or a bright red, kind of like cranberry juice color with the consistency, kind of like ma- maple syrup. Um it is. It can be normal to have some some clotting, but if we're experiencing a lot of clotting, getting big clots the size, you know, larger than a quarter, mm. experiencing a lot of period pain, and perhaps have a more dark 
purplish color. Um, that can be a sign, um, you know, potentially of high estrogen levels or just estrogen is high in relation to progesterone. So it could be low progesterone possibly as well or sign of some of those other conditions that we um, spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so if we're experiencing that dark purplish, almost bluish um, with clots, that's something to look out for. Um, really light pink can be possibly a sign of low estrogen. Um, and really, uh, if we're experiencing any brown um, blood, that whether that's spotting or um, before or after our period, that might be um, normal just depending because that can be some old oxidized blood. But if we're experiencing that and spotting, that could be a sign of low progesterone. Anything, really any other color like orange or gray or, you know, any sort of um, something like that, that could be a sign of an infection. So that would definitely be a time to um, check in with your doctor. So now, as far as that also, I know one of the remedies, and that was even something that I was um, treated with growing up because I always had like cycle issues until I really started to take charge of my body, um, birth control. I was given birth control at pretty young age, honestly, and I saw all sides of it. There were some of them that worked for me. There were some of them that was just, I didn't have a cycle. I think there was one at the time. There was a brand that would have you have like four cycles a year. And the first three months, I went without having a cycle for three months. And then after that, I just had a cycle back to back. Like, it won't stop until I stop the birth control. So is that really mm -hmm. a way with everything that we know now in this day and time? Is that something that we should be doing? Or is that something that is an absolute no-no? Like, you know, or is that just a band-aid to the problem stopping the solution? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I would never say that it's an absolute, you know, it's hard to say that there's absolutes, right. but it is important to, it's really comes down to informed consent about knowing the, you know, potential impact on our body and what that the birth control is doing and potential symptoms later on. And so um, really when it comes to birth control, it is not addressing the root causes of why the symptoms are there in the first place. It may work well for some people and their main goal is I just really want these symptoms to, you know, not be here. And I found one that works for me. And, you know, it, so that's why it comes down to, you know, just knowing the different potentials and knowing that they're are other options besides just being told or offered here's the birth control this is the only option for your symptoms yes yes absolutely okay and now um i know periods are not really a one should fit all um but is there anything that people can do to like um ensure that they have like optimal health and i'm just going to kind of tie this into gut health as well playing a huge part in how mm -hmm. we feel and what can they do to basically optimize their gut health, their optimal health, just mm -hmm. full-on well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, gut health can um, definitely impact our hormones and our cycles and um you know, we could be experiencing all kinds of symptoms when it comes to gut health. So we do want to um, be optimizing that as well. And in terms of just supporting our body's 
in general, you know, we were talking about that blood sugar balance piece yeah. before, but really kind of doing an inventory of, you know, the different stressors that could be potential, um, you know, for you because stress can also really impact our gut health. Um, the eating consistently, um, you know, is so important to make sure that we're getting the nutrients um, that we need. Um, little things that we can do to, um, you know, support our gut health in general is um, lowering that caffeine again. Um, for some people, really cooking our um, veggies and um, doing cooked foods instead of raw foods can be more gentle on the gut. Um, I like to recommend um, bone broth and collagen or some foods to include, um, even some aloe vera juice mm -hmm. as well. Um, probiotic foods yes. like our fermented veggies like kimchi or sauerkraut, um, Greek yogurt. Um, some people may benefit from incorporating um, digestive bitters before meals. So mm -hmm. those are just um, basically a tincture comes in a dropper bottle that you would dilute with some water, helps mm -hmm. to stimulate our digestive juices before meals. Yeah, those are, um, um, and I'm also, I'm a big fan of those. I love those. I use them. Yes, me too. Yeah, so those are great. And um, well. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I cut you off. Yeah, I love them as well. They're great. Yes, yes. Yeah, so definitely. Oh, yeah. I think it stopped for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, and then when it comes to just checking in with our cycle, it's just knowing that, um, you know, our period is like a vital sign. So it's like a check engine light that is... Um, you know, giving us some information about what's going on internally. So just checking in with our cycle, tracking our symptoms, tra tracking how we're feeling, just starting to get curious about all these different things. And the first step is really noticing, um, you know, what's going on for you. And then, you know, starting to slowly incorporate small shifts that will really build over time. Well, this was like a really, really great conversation to have because I know like, Feminine health, I wish I knew all the things I know now back then. So I think having this conversation with you and definitely opening people's eyes to the things that they can do to help them around that time of the month has been so enlightening. It's been really lovely to have you on today and bring your knowledge and expertise to the podcast and to my audience. And I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. So we're going to be unpacking something else next week. Um, stay tuned for the next episode.